Well, good morning, City Hill. Uh, while the Viking season is over, just have our bow our heads and have a moment of silence, please. We're gonna, um, <clears throat> you know, the Vikings had a decent season. They were ten and six in regular season play, but they looked pretty mediocre in that last uh, playoff game. It was a pretty sad day for all the Vikings fans. My brother Rick, who's a diehard fan from birth till. Today, he sent me a text and he said, I've decided to invite six Vikings to be my pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> so I guess today we're going to need to cheer for the Green Bay Packers. So here we go. Go Pack. There we go. All good fun. Um, in seriousness, I do want to circle back to that beautiful video. And today, or tomorrow, is Martin Luther King Day. And it's a, it's a powerful day in our country. It's a day when across the nation we stop to remember the incredible ministry effect of Dr. Martin Luther King and how he fought for the rights and the freedom of blacks in America. And that was really not that long ago. And his speech, which is just, as I, every time I read it, there's an inspiration on this speech. And I want to just cut out or pull out a few excerpts. He says, I have a dream that one day in this nation we will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That one day right in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. He says, I have a dream. With this faith, we'll be able to work together pray together, struggle together, go to jail together, and stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. I have a dream. And as I was thinking about this day and how it pertains to us, it's no great revelation that we are primarily a white congregation, and I believe, I know all of you, or most of you, and I believe that we have good hearts. I don't see here racism, prejudice, hatred, or injustice. You know, I lived in Dominican Republic for 25 years where we were pretty much the only white family around. And so I was a minority for half of my life, but I realize it's just not the same. There were hard times, there were linguistical issues, there were times where I felt other than, but I still don't get it. I realize that. And we have a study group, just as a start for a church, we have a study group that John and Dr. Osra Weber are leading. John, are you here today? I know Osra's working. John, stand up for a second. We say, hi, John. Hi, John. John's part of helping lead this group. And um, John, if you can be over by the table afterwards, if anybody's interested in going deeper in this issue, 
I believe it's important for us, and they have a study group that meets regularly where we can just get together and talk over these issues as a church, as brothers and sisters, how we can better build bridges. And what I felt of the Lord for us, you know, what do we do? How do we move forward? Um, my word to us would be to reach out to those who are different from you. Build bridges. Be part of the answer. Rather than just sitting back and maybe, you know, regardless of how good your heart is, what can we do to build bridges? To form friendships with those who are different from you? To have them in your home for dinner? To go have lunch? To reach out to be part of those who will be relationship building because it's going to be the church of christ where healing is going to take place where the healing and the divide that still exists in our nation it's going to take place as we take steps to build bridges and love people i found that nothing builds a bridge like really loving somebody when i my word to new missionaries always as they went to the dominican republic they said what do we got to do i said love the people they aren't objects they aren't checklists they aren't so they're fall in love with the Dominican people. And when they know that you love them, then they aren't projects. They're brothers and sisters, and those bridges and are built. And I believe that we can be part of the answer here at City Hill. So we honor Dr. Martin Luther King, the vision and the passion and the goals that he set forward, and may we be part of the answer as City Hill Church. Amen? Amen. So in that spirit of unity let's stand this morning let's declare the apostles creed together because real unity is found at the foot of the cross real unity is found in our common shared faith in christ let's declare strongly what we believe this morning as we declare the apostles creed ready i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, on the first Sunday of the year, I spoke on the topic of Jubilee. Jubilee was to be celebrated on the 50th year after Israel had stepped into the promised land. The 50th year in Israel, it's where, in a general sense, and the shofar would sound, and they declared that debts were cleared. Imagine the joy. There was a a separate system, but the debts were cleared. Slaves were set free. Land was returned to their original owners. And the land and the people were to rest in a Extended Sabbath rest, the year of Jubilee. It was their 50th year. And this year is the 50th year for City Hill Church. We have a rich history, and God has brought us these 50 years, and I believe 
that this is a year of freedom for City Hill, and that God wants to teach us what it is to walk in real freedom. So let's just say that together. Let's just declare freedom, right? Just give me a good freedom. Freedom! That was pretty good. One more time. Freedom! Sometimes you got to shout a little bit. Get out of the Minnesota Reserve and declare freedom. Last week, Jim McCracken gave a wonderful sermon that God has set us free to belong. One of the greatest needs we have as human beings is to belong. One of the harshest things in life is to be in solitary confinement. Drives people insane, actually. We're called to be with people. We're made to be social, but not just in a crowd. Because you can be in a crowd at a football game and be very lonely. We have a desperate, deep need to belong. And Christ has set us free to belong. That's why community is a very important thing to us here at City Hill. In the body of Christ, if you're a lone ranger, you are vulnerable. If you're just going, me and God, we're doing it on our own, you're vulnerable. You get picked off. We, we need each other in this battle that we're walking through in this world. That's why our life groups, as Matt mentioned, are so central to us. And if you're not a part of one, please consider joining. We're going to have people at the table over here afterwards. There's still chance. There's always opportunities. If we get too many sign-ups, we'll form more groups. Praise the Lord. We want to see people belong. And it's not going to happen Sunday morning. You can attend Sunday morning for years and still feel like you're kind of on the outside. Our life groups are our best shot at finding ways for people to belong. But this morning, I want us to turn to John chapter 8, verse 32. We have a scripture for the morning. And the key scripture is this, verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's say it together. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One more time. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, so Jesus is in the temple. The, the temple was the central place of the community. It's where they would come to gather, to talk, to receive religious instruction. And Jesus had just finished a time of teaching where he juxtaposed himself to them. He said things like, you are from below, I am from above. I think that went over. Not real well, right? So he says, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am he, the Messiah, you will indeed die in your sins. See, now, think about this. Jesus is the definition of love. The most loving person you would have ever wanted to meet in your life. And here, this very loving Jesus is saying, He's saying some hard words. He did not mince his words, did he? I imagine at that moment they didn't feel, oh, what a wonderful guy. What a loving man. 
But I would say sometimes, folks, love is speaking things clearly and directly even when it hurts. Now, we have to learn to be kind and gentle, but there are times where the kindest thing, the most loving thing, is to speak straight. And Jesus, out of love for these people, is speaking straight to them. And he says in 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And how did they answer? Oh, please, show us freedom. Nope. They said, we are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say that we will become free? See, the Jews bristled at this idea of freedom because they said, we are free. We're free men. We're free women. We are the children of Abraham. How dare you say that you're going to set us free, implying that we are slaves. So Jesus goes on in verse 34. Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I've been asking myself all week, what does it mean to be free? What would your life look like if you were free? Are you free? What freedom does God want to bring in your life? Or are we like the Jewish children of Abraham that says, I'm free, what are you talking about here? Of course I'm free. I'm an American. I live in a free land. Of course I'm free. But Jesus goes back and says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Are we bound in ways, even as followers of Jesus, that we don't know? I just ask myself, what would we look like as a church? What would my family look like? What would it look like in the streets if I were really free? Would I preach differently? Would you talk differently? Would you love your family differently? Would you share your faith differently if you were free? What would it really look like to walk in the freedom that Christ has for us? I believe the scripture gives us some of those insights. The first thing I believe we need to see is that we must face our personal slavery. We have to realize, as Jesus was trying to tell to the Jews, that there was a slavery, they were bound up in their lives. That when we sin, we are a slave to that sin. Paul takes that, elaborates on that in Romans 6. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin leading to death or slaves to obedience leading to righteousness. Just take like an example would be illicit drugs. When someone begins taking meth, I don't imagine it's ever sold as, here, come take some of this and be totally addicted and enslaved to this chemical. I don't imagine it's ever sold that way. 
I imagine meth is initially an incredible experience. I've never taken it, bless the Lord. But I imagine it's sold in the sense of this will bring you freedom. This will open your mind. This will be an amazing experience for you. And so people looking for freedom, looking for freedom from their problems and their hurts, take drugs. And with the supposed path to freedom soon becomes the chains of hell. Soon becomes those who are enslaved to what was supposed to set them free. So it's not any secret to us that meth addicts are enslaved to meth. Or any other drug that is circulating in the streets today. Jesus would say everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So maybe that's easier to see in the issue of illicit drugs. But I believe it's true with every sin. All sin comes with chains. Some are just a little more obvious than others. Let's take the sin of unforgiveness. Somebody hurts you. You ever been hurt? Of course you've been hurt. All of us. Many, many ways. And there's a pain that comes into your life. The natural response is you get angry or you become bitter. You, you choose not to forgive because that's the natural way. And at first, unforgiveness is really empowering. It's protecting. Otherwise, people wouldn't be that way. You, you hold something against them. You have a desire to either pay back or protect yourself. And you build this wall of protection, which may seem smart at first. But after a while, unforgiveness becomes the root of bitterness. And the root of bitterness drops into our soul. Have you ever had a root of bitterness in your soul? I have. And when that root drops into your soul, all of a sudden, stop sleeping very well. Blood pressure goes up. Relationships get strained. Isolation. Depression. Thoughts of suicide, all of that comes as those roots of bitterness drop down. And what you find, what seemed to be a smart thing at first, you're building your own prison. You're forging your own chains. And Jesus would say, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The sin becomes your master. So first, you've got to face, I'm enslaved. I know, I've told the story before, and I won't go down that road, but when I let a root of bitterness drop into my heart, and it was destroying me, what, one of the things that set me free is I realized that I was a prisoner. I realized that my life was going south. I realized that my joy had drifted away, and that I was enchained to the bitterness that I had let drop into my heart. And I decided one day, I am sick and tired of this. Even though I had not resolved the situation, I was like, I want to be free. I am so tired of being beat up. So the second thing we really got to look at is we got to say, we're unable to free ourselves. It's not just a matter of, okay, walk it out. Get it together. 
The first step we've got to say is that we're enslaved. And the second one is, I'm unable to do it myself. No amount of good deeds. No, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, your self-made man. We need help. So what do we need? Praise the Lord, we need a Savior. But not just any Savior. There's really only one. One of the problems we have in this world is that we talk about many paths and many ways. But in the issue of true forgiveness, we need Christ's help. And it's a good thing, isn't it? It's good to say, Jesus, I need you. You say that to the Lord? Just say that together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. It's a great place to be because it's a proper alignment. The reality is, is you need Jesus. Not just for salvation, but we need Christ's help for us to follow him and to walk in the freedom that he has for us. And the beauty is we don't have to fight for that. I love the scripture. It says, I've come to save that which was lost. And we tend to think of that lost being those who are without salvation. And that's totally, wonderfully true. That Christ comes to save those who have not found salvation in Christ. But that continual heart of God does not change as we become Christians. That Christ is coming to save that which is lost inside of us. And my heart for us as those who love Jesus is that we would find great freedom this year. And that that which is bound in our life, that we say, Jesus, I need you. I may have walked this way all my life, but there is freedom for me today. And then the next step is that Jesus has come to set us free. That scripture, 832, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's interesting how in the Dominican flag, get the right side here, because there is a right and a wrong way to do this. There we go. In the Dominican flag, it's the only flag in the world that has in the middle an open Bible. And in the middle of the open Bible, tradition holds it that the verse there is John 8.32. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I believe that they, someone in the history of the DR understood the power of the truth that is in Jesus. And we may try to look for that truth in so many different ways. But the truth that we need is a truth that's found in Christ. Jesus came to set us free. Just think about that for a minute. Freedom. When the world thinks of Christianity, if you turn to somebody and say, tell me about Christianity, would they go, freedom? I don't think so. If you just walked down the street you know, and you said, Hey, what do you think about Christianity to somebody who wasn't following Jesus? That probably would not be in their top ten words. I believe they would say things in the mind of the world would be the wrong thinking that would say, well, Christianity is just a long list of do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of rules that want to take away all my fun, wants to cramp my style, antiquated laws by old Hateful men, it's confining, closed-minded. It certainly is not woke, right? I mean, Christianity certainly is not. It is not being free. Would say the world, you need to break out of the confines of the chains of Christianity and find freedom. 
And I would say that's a, one of the lies that Satan has sold the world. And Jesus looked at the people who thought they were free and told them they were slaves. And the truth of the matter really is for us as Christians that all of us are slaves to something or someone. The reality is, is we become slaves to the ones we serve. And I'd ask you the question is, whose slave are you? Now that very word itself is a very ugly word. I think the scripture backs this up. And there was, jumping back many decades here, said best by a man who was a 1960s rock and roll singer, Bob Dylan. Play that clip for a second here. Said it better than we could say it. Well, you may be the devil, or you may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Okay, so how many of you know that song? There we go. Everybody over 50 knows that song. Um, Bob Dylan. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. So who are you serving? Who really calls the shots in your life? And I would say this is your take home today, that Christ sets us free to be enslaved to him. I'll try that again. Christ sets us free to be enslaved to him, and that's where you find true freedom. True freedom is found in freely becoming a slave to Christ. You say, can't you talk in circles here? Not really. Christ sets us free to be enslaved to him, and that's where we find true freedom. Let me explain. He says, going back to the scriptures, if you abide in my word, Talking about the pathway to freedom. If you abide in my word. So folks, we have to always, consistently, regularly go back to the word of God. We never outsmart the word of God. We never outgrow it. We never become the judge of it. The word of God has to continually lead, guide, direct our lives. Continue to study. It's why we have the ABC program, the adult Bible classes we're trying to bring more of the word into our lives. That's why it's really important to sometime during the day, open your Bibles, read your Bibles, memorize the word. It's, I love the Awanas program. There's one here in the community that's a beautiful thing for kids. We have our Bible quiz team. Praise the Lord for the quiz team. Youth learning scriptures. We have some champs among us, don't we? Yes. Um, those scriptures will guide our lives. We've got to continually abide in the word. And as we abide in the word, then the scripture says, you are truly my disciples. So the abiding is not just learning it, memorizing it. You can be really smart in the Bible, but not see it in your life. And that always bugs me. I, when I see people who are real, like Bible school teachers, and they're really bright in the word, but the character of Christ is not evident in their life and I think something's wrong there would you agree with me we should not have that disconnect the abiding means taking this knowledge that we gain and letting it drop into our soul letting it direct our lives transform us from the inside 
We're abiding, we're swimming in it, we're dwelling in the Word of God. Then we become disciples because our life begins to reflect that. And then it talks about you will know the truth. You'll knowing the truth. There's so much packed up in, in just those words to know. You know, that word know, we as Americans like to know things. We like information. We like one, two, three points. We want to know the information. But when the scripture often speaks of the word know, it's an experiential know. Like Adam knew Eve. They didn't just say, oh yeah, that's Eve over there. There was that intimate relationship between Adam and Eve, between husband and wife. And it's that experiential knowing that we're called to know the truth, to experience Christ. And as important it is to have the right dogma, the right theology of Jesus, we've got to be people that know the Lord. People that bring Christ into our every moment of our lives, where we experience the truth. And that's where we're going to find freedom. I love the scripture where Jesus was in the temple. And just listen how he talks about freedom. He says, he picks up the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Christ has come to set us free, not to tie us down, to set us free. You say, well, how does that truth lead to freedom? I understand truth can lead us to proper theology. How does it set us free? Well, let me just redefine freedom for you. I believe freedom is that it shows us an owner's manual. It says this is how you were designed. And when you live according to how you're designed, you find freedom. Like a Ferrari. Ferraris are not free just going off-road. But a Ferrari is designed for the racetrack. And I imagine a Ferrari finds freedom when it's under a master race car driver going 200 miles an hour down a racetrack. I, you can kind of hear it screaming across the city, right? Freedom! It's how it was designed to run. I think of a sailing ship. It's not free in the harbor. It's free in the high seas when it's, the sails are full and the ship is sailing at full sail. There's a freedom because that's how the ship was designed to work. I think of Eric Little, a famous Scottish Olympic runner. And he, he's a beautiful quote. As a man of God, he says, I believe God made me for a purpose. He also made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Not just, he became a preacher, became a missionary to China, but he found pleasure in God made him special. The man could run. Even a strange way of running. And they said, don't touch his way of running. It's just, it works. His head was back, actually, and he would run. And they said, how can he even see the lane he's supposed to be in? They don't really know. But when he ran like that, he could run like the wind. And he says, when I run... I feel his pleasure. 
I was thinking about that this week and I thought my passion would be that you could run. That you would find exactly as God has called you, what he's called you to do, whether in business or in the church or in the school or whatever, that we would find more and more of the fulfillment and the plans and purposes of God and then we could just run. That we'd be free to express who God has made us to be. And I believe that's part of what happens as we worship. God has made, I'll tell you one thing about you, God's made you to be a worshiper. You, me, all of us, God's made us to worship. And when we stop and put things aside and we worship the Lord, we're working according to as God has designed us to function. And there's freedom in that because we're moving according to the design. When we forgive, freedom. You know, I, I mentioned my situation. When God set me free, when I really forgave the guy that I had hated, the freedom that came was tangible, noticeable to my friends and my people around me. I was set free. And I remember that freedom going, I am never going back there again. That was really a bad idea. And I am not, I'm just going to be a great forgiver. I'm going to learn to walk in that freedom day after day because I don't want to be in prison anymore. God wants to set us free. That's how we're designed. We're not designed to carry bitterness. We're not designed to not worship the Lord. We're designed in this way. And the word shows us who God is, who we are, and how we are designed in his image. And the more that we live that way, the freer we are. And that's my heart and passion for us this morning, that we would only be controlled by Jesus. So I ask you this morning, what controls you? What holds you back? In any area of life, what is it that is that barrier? Is there bitterness you need to get through? Let's do it. Let's forgive. Is there insecurities? Let's find our security in Jesus. Is there sin we need to repent of? Praise the Lord, repentance is a path to freedom. Let's find the freedom that God has for us. I thought, what would it look like if we were really free to love each other? If we really preferred each other? If in our hearts each day was, how can I serve somebody today? Who's in need? How can I care for them? Instead of looking inward. What if we were just free to belong? Instead of feeling on the outside, we just jumped in and said, hey, here I am. We jumped into belonging to the body of Christ. The scripture says in Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom. So I want to say that to you. You were called to freedom. If you're bound up, that's not the heart of God. You were called to be free. And it may take a while. It may take some processes. Praise the Lord. But let's find that freedom in the Lord. I woke up this morning. If the worship team could come forward, please. I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, how do you want to close this sermon? It just, it just, I didn't find that closing all week. I didn't really know what I wanted. And this song just was going round and round in my heart. And I felt the Lord say, 
why don't you sing it to the church today? I said, no, that's not a very good idea. Um, <laughs> so the Lord said, no, that's a good idea. Let's be free. So we're going to be free, and we're going to sing a song that I'd like to teach you as we close. Thank you, Bobby. And I don't imagine anybody else knows this song. If you do, praise the Lord, be free. So, uh, the song says, set me free, Lord Jesus. And sometimes it's good to have a chorus that goes round and round in your heart during the week. Where the message can, we can bring it home. And we let, it's a prayer that we would say day after day, Set me free, Lord Jesus. So I'm just going to sing it once, and then I want you to stand and try to sing it with me. And my prayer is you can go home today with this prayer to Christ saying, Jesus, set me free. Okay? You guys sing with me if you would. Set me free, Lord Jesus, from all that hides your face. Set me free, Lord Jesus. From all that binds my way, free me from unrighteousness, bring purity of heart, set me free to worship you, set me free to worship you, set me free to worship you, oh Lord. Sing it with me, set me free, Lord Jesus, set me free, Lord Jesus. From all that hides your face, set me free, Lord Jesus. From all that binds my way, cleanse me from unrighteousness, with purity of heart. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you. Sing it together. Set me free, Lord Jesus. Set me free, Lord Jesus. From all that hides your face. Set me free, Lord Jesus. From all that binds my way. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. With purity of heart. Set me free to worship Set me free. One more time, so we have it in our hearts. Set me free, Lord Jesus, from all that hides your face. Set me free, Lord Jesus, from all that binds my way. Cleanse me from unrighteousness, bring purity of heart. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you, oh Lord. Free me from unrighteousness. Bring purity of heart. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you. Set me free to worship you. Father, I ask that you would set us free. 
The father, the sin that so easily entangles us. The impurity that's just flying at us all day long. God, I pray that you would set us free from unrighteousness. God, you'd set us free to worship you. The father, you wouldn't let us have our corners of sin or our corners of bondage. But that, God, you would set us free today, Lord Jesus, to truly worship you, to become and to live in the way that you've designed us to be, God. And that, I know, God, is where we find the freedom that you came to give us, Lord God. I speak freedom over this church, Lord God. Bring it to us today. Open our eyes to where we're enslaved. And then, Lord, we look to you for the freedom that there is in Christ. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, Bobby. Amen. Well, it's good to be together, church. Um, if you're our guest, I'd love to...